You are listening to Perplexity. everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Perplexity, a mystery podcast. As always, I am your host, Kadra, and today is story one of a three-part mini-series called Do No Harm, and they are going to be standalone stories. You can watch them in whatever order you want or listen to them in whatever order you want or just listen to one, Um, but they do go together. It's going to be three stories about three horrible doctors, and I'm excited to be bringing you guys another three-part series. Today, we are going to be talking about Linda Hazard, and um, her name should come with a hazard warning, for sure. She was a terrible person, and yeah, let's get into it. Sensitive listening is advised, especially for listeners below the age of 13, and all of the sources that I used for today's episode will be available in the show notes. If we want to be technical, Linda Burfield Hazard was not a doctor. She was grandfathered in through regulations in the state of Washington to become a doctor. She had little to no medical training, but with the lack of healthcare licensing regulations during this time period and the doctor's shortage, Hazard was seen as appropriate to fill in that spot. She was able to obtain a license to practice alternative medicine, and she became known as a using air quotes here, fasting specialist. Despite all of this, she would argue till her last dying breath that she was a doctor and that she should be referred to as such. Her last name definitely rings true because Hazard would gravely harm many patients throughout her, again, using air quotes, career. Dozens would even die. Born in 1867 in Carver, Minnesota, Linda from a young age was fascinated by the concept of fasting. So much so that she would write three books about it later on. She called these books Fasting for the Cure of Disease, Scientific Fasting, The Ancient and Modern Key to Health, and Diet and Disease and Systemic Cleansing. Also, before we go any further, I do want to say trigger warning for anybody dealing with body dysmorphia or any type of eating disorder, this may trigger you. Linda, you see, had very backwards beliefs. She believed that all illnesses, every single one, could be attributed to overeating. Meaning that if you had dementia or ALS, multiple sclerosis, cancer, Parkinson's. This all had to do with eating too much. I know. And she studied under a doctor named Edward Hooker Dewey, who was also a believer of fasting. Shock. And Edward Hooker Dewey invented the no breakfast plan, 
which is exactly what it sounds like, you would have lunch and dinner and eliminate breakfast. Just two meals a day. And Dewey also believed that abstaining from food could cure mental illnesses and even insanity. So here we have Dewey's protege, Linda Hazard. And Linda would later become known for newer, stricter, and more rigorous fasting protocols. She claimed that her infamous protocols would eliminate toxins from the body. She set up shop with her husband, Sam, in 1906 in Alala, Washington. A sanitarium, she would call Wilderness Heights, and this would be just after Sam was released from prison. So Sam actually married Linda before he had gotten divorced from his previous wife, resulting in a bigamy charge and a two-year prison sentence. Sam was also a alcoholic. He was known as a swindler as well by those who knew him. And at one point earlier in his life, he had a promising career. He had graduated from West Point, but all of this fell apart when he was caught misappropriating army funds. At Wilderness Heights, Hazard would keep patients under inpatient care for any number of days, weeks, or even months. And what went on there still remains a mystery. But we do have some idea based on careful records kept by one of the patients who we will talk about in just a little bit. So the purpose of these patients' stays was to follow Linda Hazard's fasting protocol, and this was supposed to eliminate toxins from their bodies, eliminate any illness, or cure any ailments. But these diets were incredibly and very, very dangerously restrictive. Basically, the diet was this insane juice cleanse, Tomato juice, asparagus juice, which sounds absolutely disgusting to me, and occasionally orange juice. In addition to this juice diet, the patients would also have daily enemas that would last hours at a time, involving up to 12 quarts of water, and then they would be given these vigorous massages. But the nurses that worked at Olderness Heights would say that these massages sounded more like beatings. Patients were often heard crying out in pain down the hallways during these procedures. Hazard was also known to be a stocky woman with above average strength, and she was known to beat her fists against the patient's foreheads and backs. And when she would do this, sometimes she would shout, eliminate, eliminate, with each blow. As if she thought that by her hitting these patients, it was ridding them of disease. Just completely crazy. And there were some patients that survived and claimed to be cured and fans of Hazard's work. But... The vast majority of her victims, or excuse me, patients, weren't so lucky. Alala locals sometimes would come across previous patients turned escapees. They would be severely emaciated, staggering down the road, 
and they would beg locals for food. Others would never be seen alive again. And Wall Hazard would blame the patients' deaths on undisclosed illnesses like cancer or cirrhosis of the liver. Skeptics of Hazard were quick to say these patients likely died of starvation. It's believed that Hazard killed her first patient in 1902, around the time her divorce from her first husband, not Sam, became final. The coroner would later determine the cause of death for this patient was in fact starvation. The alarmed coroner would try to get Linda Hazard prosecuted, but since Hazard wasn't technically licensed to practice medicine, rather she was licensed to practice alternative medicine, she wasn't held accountable. And when investigators asked what happened to the victim's valuable belongings, such as their jewelry, Hazard had no explanation. One of Hazard's patients in 1910 was a man named Earl Edward Erdman. And Erdman was a civil engineer. He was meticulous and determined. And during his time at Wilderness Heights, he kept very detailed records of his diet in his journal. He would write things such as, quote, no breakfast, mashed soup dinner, mashed soup supper, one orange breakfast, strained soup dinner, one orange breakfast, one orange dinner, no dinner, no supper, one cup of strained tomato broth, head quite dizzy, eyes yellow, streaked, and red, and he would date them. So we know that Erdman was in Linda Hazard's care at Wilderness Heights from February 1st all the way to March 28th, which is the day that he died. These entries also would mention back aches, pain under his ribs, and severe headaches. Linda Hazard's starvation methods would be tied later on to the deaths of three patients in 1908. One of the patients was Daisy Maud Hagland, a Norwegian immigrant who fasted for 50 days under Hazard's care. Hagland had a three-year-old son named Ivar, who would later go on to open the successful Seattle-based seafood restaurant chain that bears his name. Hazard would lose three more patients in 1909. One of these three would be found with a bullet in his head. And there is speculation as to whether Hazard shot him or if perhaps he shot himself to end the torture. Because keep in mind, these people are being slowly starved to death. A lot of them were so weak that they could barely walk or couldn't walk at all. So... It's not out of the question to assume that this man could have been so weak that he could not physically escape, but perhaps he got enough strength to get the gun and end his own life. But I also think it's just as likely that Hazard could have killed him, and here's why. Hazard had conveniently been appointed as administer of this patient's estate, and all of the funds had been drained. So, there's that. 
There would also be three more deaths in 1910, four deaths in 1911, and four deaths in 1912. So 17 patients, at least, that we know of were killed under Linda Hazard's care. On August 5th, 1911, Linda Hazard would be arrested on a first-degree murder charge for a woman named Claire Williamson. And later in 1912, Linda Hazard would be convicted of manslaughter in this case. Claire was one of Linda Hazard's most famous patients. She was a wealthy British woman who had strong beliefs in alternative medicine and she weighed less than 50 pounds when she died. Claire had come to Hazard for care because she had, quote, a dropped uterus. I'm not sure what this means, but when the case went to trial, the prosecution was able to prove that Hazard had committed forgery, as well as forging Williamson's will and she had stolen most of Williamson's assets. Claire's sister, Dorothea, was also under Hazard's care, and she was on the verge of death when all of this happened. The only reason that Dorothea survived is because a family friend physically removed her from Wilderness Heights. Dorothea had come to Hazard for care because she had swollen glands from rheumatoid pains. You know, like arthritis. And Dorothea was so weak, she weighed less than 60 pounds when she was removed from Wilderness Heights. She was too weak to move on her own. And this friend that removed her from this building had to pay Hazard $1,000 before she would allow them to leave the property. While both of these girls were under the care of Hazard, they received daily enemas that were hours long in a scalding hot bathtub. The girls would often faint during these quote unquote treatments. It was also later found that many of Hazard's other wealthy patients had signed over large portions of their estates to her just before their deaths. How convenient. Wilderness Heights became known as Starvation Heights later on, and Linda Burfield Hazard was sentenced to 2 to 20 years in prison at the Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla. She was paroled the day after Christmas in 1915, after serving just two years. And the following year, Governor Ernest Lister gave Hazard a full pardon. Sorry, what the hell? She then moved to New Zealand with her husband, Sam Chrisman Hazard, and she continued to practice as a dietitian. And she became known as an osteopath, which I had to look up. It's basically similar to a chiropractor, but they focus on the body as a whole for healing, whereas chiropractors focus primarily on the spine. So Hazard practiced as a dietitian and osteopath until 1920. In 1917, it was found that because her medical license was given from Washington State, and she had began practicing in New Zealand, she was breaking the law. 
She was found guilty and fined for practicing medicine while not being properly registered, and she had to pay about 500 US dollars. She then went back to Alala, Washington three years later and opened a new sanitarium she called the School of Health. And she continued to supervise fasts until 1935, when the sanitarium burned to the ground. And I couldn't find any information as to what caused it to burn down, but all I can say is thank God. In 1938, Hazard died of starvation while attempting to find another fasting cure. Which makes me think this wasn't all for money and greed. Part of her must have believed that what she was doing truly worked. If you want to learn more about this horrific story, I would recommend you check out the book Starvation Heights, a true story of murder and malice in the woods of the Pacific Northwest. It's written by Greg Olson. that is the tragic story of Linda Burfield Hazard and Wilderness Heights, also known as Starvation Heights. Be sure to tune in next week for story two. We will be getting into the case of Dr. Marcel Pettiot, also known as Dr. Satan. Bye. Thank you for listening to Perplexity, a mystery podcast. Hosted, written, and produced by Kadra Brennan. If you enjoyed today's episode, tell the world about it by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leaving a five-star review. It helps the show more than you know. Contact, support, and merch links can be found in the episode description. And if you have a story to share or a topic request, send an email to perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail.com. Kadra would love to read your story on the podcast. Until next week, stay curious.